This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, what a good goal. Last post for Shearer. Goal. Ball now. Steve White. Touch to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! Hello, Paul. How are you doing, mate? How's it going? I'm very well, although the sound is is stressing me out as we discussed before we we started recording. But that's not your fault. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's mine. But during this period of self isolation, I hope you and your family are all well. Yeah, the sound might make me sound a bit easier for uh, people to understand my accent. So we'll see. But yeah, family are all good. Thankfully, at the minute, um, hopefully it stays this way. But testing times I suppose for everyone but I hope everyone's just sticking together yeah and in terms of football if the phone rang tomorrow and you were told you had to go back to training are you ready (laughs) I'll be there tonight waiting (laughs) (laughs) can't wait to get out the house oh man you and me both yeah I've been keeping fit been ticking over as much as I can um but yeah, I just can't wait to get back now. Absolutely, absolutely, it has. Okay, so let's get this show on the road with the standard question: When you were younger, who did you support? I have a funny feeling I know the answer to this. And who were your childhood heroes? <laughs> uh, yeah, Liverpool, obviously. Um, dad used to take me to all the games, home and away, growing up, until I couldn't go anymore um, with my own football. But always supported Liverpool. Loved every minute of it. Well, mostly. <laughs> Depends who's the manager and who the players were. But yeah, I enjoyed it growing up supporting Liverpool. And I think I had a few idols growing up. Um, but I think really, obviously, the standard ones, the Gerard and stuff. But Torres was really someone I, who I looked up to um, growing up, going to watch Liverpool. I idolised him for years. And every time he was playing or anything, I couldn't take my eyes off him. Did you get to go to watch Liverpool that often? Yeah, still now, you mean? Oh, just um, um, as a child and current, yeah. Yeah, as a child, I think I started going at maybe six, seven. Um, and then as I got older, my dad took me more often. Luckily enough, we were able to, he was able to get tickets because he used to go most games, to be honest. Um, and we started going around Europe watching them. Um, 
home and away in England and stuff like that. I was very lucky and fortunate that my parents could do that for me, but I loved every minute of it. And obviously, I could only pick one, either going to a club pool or go and play myself over a weekend when it comes to a certain age. So obviously, yourself's always going to come first. <laughs> I've spoke to a fair few Liverpudlians on this. I've listened, talked to Ify and Nora, uh, Jay McEverly, Andy Nicholas, Stephen Derby, and you're a bit younger than them, so I, I still get to ask my generic Liverpool-based questions. So what were your experiences of of football growing up in a city that is football mad? Exactly that, football mad. I think um, me growing up or my estate, um, but basically I've got two older brothers and an older sister, but... My older brothers, I was constantly out playing football with them and their mates um, from when I was a baby, three, four. My mum used to let me go with them because of my older brothers, say, what, eight years older than me, so he was 10, 11, so we could play in the street and down the park. And we used to have a, um, set up, you know, like a samba goal in the park at the bottom of the road. I think it was about 200 yards the park away or something. You can't see it, but it's around the corner anyway. And we used to set up a samba goal and we'd play knockouts for hours on end on there, which is basically 2v2. But like, if you want to go in pairs, you, you play for hours. And even though I was a kid, I used to try and hold me home when I was a baby. And just from then, I just love footy. And that's what it is. This, this city's just always been that way. There's just go out and play footy. And now, obviously, with the internet and stuff, it's sort of, you don't see it as often in the street, but when you do, it's quite refreshing because it takes you back to your own childhood days, to be honest. Before you joined the academy setups, who was your your kids' team? Who was your junior football team? Well, that's the thing. Because I, I was so young, I used to go and watch my brother on the uh, sidelines of his Sunday league team when he was, well, I don't know, how old is he now? He's five years older than me. So he'd have been 10 playing um, Sunday league games. I was going to watch a four and the Everton scout was there and asked me dad if I'd like to go in and train with the, like the pre-academy because I used, used to play with like my brother's subs basically who weren't playing so I used to be on the sideline playing with them and he said oh like do you want to come to the pre-academy but that was like he's only four <laughs> he was like so like he, he can come up and that and to be fair to me my dad they said to me look even at that age and every single year do you want to go it's up to you like we're not bothered <laughs> so obviously me I'm like yeah yeah I want to go and play football any chance I forget so I didn't have a team um, until I went to Everton. I went to Everton at Ford and stayed there, um, training twice a week at first, and then it was getting more and more frequent. And at eight, I signed um, to stay there till I was 10. And a year later, I decided to leave. And then that's when I went and played in Sunday League for a year because of the registration with the FA. You couldn't go from club to club, like professional club thing, I don't know that's the way you explain it but I had to go and take a year out type of thing so I played for a team called um, Netherlywood Lane Legion which to be fair when I think now we had some team I think five of the lads ended up having scholarships uh, um, Premier League teams and funnily enough I weren't one of them <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who played in the end um, but we had a good side it was very good um, and then after that season I moved on to Liverpool really so you were you were you were at Everton until the age of ten, correct? Yeah, well, nine and nine and a half it was, and then I left for six months, and then signed for Liverpool when I was ten. And what what was your were you let go, or did you decide that you didn't want to play for them anymore? Well, that exactly decided I didn't want to play. It was um, started quite young, really. It come from my mum and dad. The, um, there was a coach there. He wasn't um, what's the word? Weren't bullying, but he sort of tried to pick on me as a kid. Um, Maybe thinking I could take it better than other kids because I was quite an um, outgoing child. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it was an example, but at the time, my mum and dad obviously didn't see it right that you could be treated different to everyone else. Um, and there's loads of things that happen that's not really worth going into. But it was basically I was getting sort of getting picked on, but in like a fly way mm. that my mum seen. So they said like, "Not for us. Doesn't want not 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 happening." Basically, like you, like any parent would. Um, didn't stand for it and said, right, he's leaving. Um, Everton tried to get me to stay and offered me a scholarship at, at that age. He said, like, we'll give you one. Whether they would have or wouldn't, you never know, because you didn't get there. But that was a thing to try and get me to stay. I said, no. Um, well, I didn't. My mum and dad did. Um, and I went to Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've said this quite a few times recently with previous guests, that they always make the achievement of signing for elite academies sound really really easy 
what made Paul Mullen, the, 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 the child who loved football, different to the rich Pullens of the world who loved football but would never be noticed? What, what, sort of, what did you have that made Everton want you to go and join them for X amount of years and then Liverpool to want to join them? Um, firstly, I think it's obviously my older brothers and my family. I had people to play with constantly. Um, and even when they wasn't there, I was lucky I had quite a good size back arm for me to go and play myself in the garden and I think it's an obs- it become an obsession for me um, it wasn't just that I like football like my little nephew now he likes football and he's getting more and more into being obsessed with it but from the age of when I first got introduced to football I was just obsessed I couldn't I literally couldn't walk around the shop without having a ball at my feet and I think really it was basically my older brothers me playing with them made me more advanced because I wasn't playing with people my age every day. I was playing with people three, four, five years older. And to, to keep up, there's, there's only one thing you can do and it's get better. <laughs> Otherwise, you just get, it's self-pride, isn't it? You, you look a fool, but even though you're a kid, you don't want to lose. You play your children now at games, you don't want to, they don't want to lose. <laughs> so it's the same with football. If they're playing football, they don't want to lose. They've always have got a win, but that was my attitude. But obviously when they don't let you win, there's only one way to try and get there. And, that, that's all it was, I think. It was just more of a uh, mentality thing and having older brothers and obviously a family who always just let me be me, let me go and play and didn't push anything on me. And how was it for you joining a club? I mean, if a kid joins Swindon, they support Swindon. That's a massive achievement. But to support a global superpower in football like Liverpool and just support them and then be playing for them how how was that oh at the time when you're a kid you think you're convinced you're going to play for Liverpool first team like in your head it's just it's just this thing like I'm playing for Liverpool now I'm going to get the first team but I'm going to work I'm going to work as hard as I can but like I've got the chance to get there that's your dream um, and to be honest it's not like that at all <laughs> that's academies when you look back now that they're not it's not I don't see the point like me going to an academy of four my mum and dad never made me go. They asked me all the time, even when training wasn't on. And as the older group would be training, they'd say, you don't have to go tonight if you don't want to go. And I'd be like, but I don't think academies are worth it at that age. For children, it's not as much as an achievement. Now, when I look back, but at the time, it was the greatest thing that could have happened to me in my life. And I think for children now, I think it's more just, You've got to enjoy playing football. It doesn't matter where it's at. That's, that's how you get better, by enjoying it. And our academies are now. I think that they sort of mould every player to try and be the same type of player in their position. Like, say now they've got full-backs coming through at Liverpool. They'll all try and make every single one of them like Trent. But each full-back isn't like Trent. And no no, no other full-back in the Premier League like Trent. So that, that's not how it works. Like, every forward... He'll try and make forwards like Firmino. Well, it's it's hard to find another one in the world like Firmino. So how are you going to bring kids up like that? Like just let them be kids, let them enjoy it. And I think that's the difference. So. Yeah, I think that I would agree with that because usually they want a style of football, not the style of the footballer, don't they? And it makes sense to sort of accommodate the style of a first team because then you're ready for it when the time comes, if indeed it does. But to sort of mould your players on a particular player it doesn't really work like that does it is there anything from your time at Liverpool that you do that you do implement into your game today for example um I think it's sort of a lot of technique stuff that you've been drummed into you when you were there passing and stuff like that um, and there's a thing I'll always stick to when I was a kid at Liverpool I was 16 at the time funnily enough they were playing me fullback for some reason I think that was just to accommodate others who they thought might be be playing but none of them did um, but I think there's one thing that I can take and it was Kenny Dagley saying to me one day doing a finishing drill when you're shooting at the goal aim for the post because it'll always be likely to drift back in towards the goalkeeper and that's, that's the only one of the only things that I could say is stuck with me now and I still give that advice to like young lads coming through when they train with us or anything and like they miss a few shots and you get annoyed with yourself or whatever just aim for the post and Funnily enough, it always works, but that's one of the only things that I could actually say, like, I use every day. I always ask this for the elite academies. Who was in your age group when you were at Liverpool? 
Well, as I was saying then about people playing those, there's three people from who were my age at Liverpool who still play now. Me, a lad Jack McCourt who was at Macclesfield, I think at the minute, um, and then Raheem Sterling <laughs> who they bought at 15. So that was it. And me and the lad who's at Macclesfield, we both got released from Liverpool at 16. So it goes to show you why sometimes what do they know about football? Because the two lads, apart from the one they paid a million pound for or whatever, who were playing with the two lads who they've released, they, they had, what did you say, 16 other players in booty cap and not one of them play football, plays football at no. all. Oh, and it's just one of them things with football. No, it doesn't happen. Like, it's quite, a, quite an achievement, but any kids who do listen to this, like, it makes me laugh now when you think like these people like how, how they decide kids' futures at 16 and obviously at the time I was distraught or whatever. When I look back now, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Not one of them are playing. What was what happened between leaving Liverpool and joining Huddersfield? Because you did have an interesting trouser in that stage as well, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it was quite uh... Quite an experience, should I say, now, looking back on it, um, especially for a young lad. Uh, I left Liverpool, got released, I think I found out in uh, March, maybe. Yeah, just before the Easter half-term it was. Um, my uncle, um, well, my auntie's husband, should I say, he lived, well, part-time in Santander in Spain and over here, obviously with his wife, and he knew the doctor at Rapping Santander at the time, he was in La Liga. Um so he organised me to go on trial. So I left the uh, with my granddad. My granddad took me in the Easter half term. Um, went over there, was training with the Juvenile A team, it's called, which is basically a youth team, um, for a couple of well, a couple of days. And then on the Thursday, the had like a training match, the B team, um, which is obviously the Barca B now, but that was Ratting B. And then against the lads who hadn't played for the first team on the weekend, and they asked me to play in it. I was 16. And I played like, at the side of the ones to play midfield. Funnily enough, I seen Alonso on my idol as Liverpool. And in the game, I was incredible. Probably the best I've ever played. But I think it was because I was used to the game being a lot quicker um, in that position in this country. And the, at the end of it, or whatever, at the end of the week, they said, right, come back in the summer for pre-season and we'd like to sign you type of thing. Oh, brilliant. So then I come back. And then in the meantime, I had a couple of trials of places, um, Blackpool being one of them, Barnsley, a couple of, couple of teams. And to be honest, my head was more on going back to Spain, thinking, right, that's sorted. Like, I know this is happening, and I didn't perform as well as I should have done in them trials, but they didn't offer me anything anyway, which was fine to me at the time, because I was thinking, I'm going back to Spain anyway. Brilliant. Um, so then come the pre-season, end of July, I went back over to Spain, to train with the B team and the um, the youth team. It was quite weird, to be fair. I stayed there for a month, training every day, keeping fit, and he went into administration while I was there. They um, couldn't pay the laundry bills. All the players weren't getting paid. Um, if you look it up now, it was a bad situation. They ended up going down to the fourth division, a bit like Portsmouth here. Um, couldn't sign players. And now I think the government and the fans bought the club. Um, so they own the club and the owner at the time was an Indian guy he basically spent every bit of money they had for himself and took it all and pocketed it so there was no contract there come the end of August start of September so I'd come back and by this point I'd missed the uh, catchment time to sign as a scholarship for teams so everyone already had the, the players there so I was sort of left in limbo type thing which at the time was probably didn't even worry about it. I was a kid, I didn't know. I was gutted, obviously, that it didn't work out. But I ended up playing like, like a college-type team where they do like um, schoolwork and that and stuff. But I didn't really do the schoolwork for some reason. Um, but I was quite bright anyway, so it was stuff I'd really already done in school. And that year I was playing for the college. Done well, we won the National Cup. And I was thinking on going back to school. And I started playing for Liverpool County towards Christmas time. And at the end of that season, they had a, um, a friendly against Huddersfield. And in that game, played centre mid again. I don't know why I decided to want to play there, but it just sort of happened. At the college, I was up front. 
But that game, anyway, the manager asked me to play there, so I did, and I done really well. And they asked me to go down. Um, but the position I'd always wanted to play all my life was either number ten, as they call it, or up front. So when I went to this field, they asked me where to play, and it was there. So I done really well um, on my trial, thankfully. And Frankie Butner, manager there, seen that I could do something, and he really helped me. And then I signed, um, which was brilliant, and stayed there a couple of years which is probably the most I've ever learned um, as a footballer. Yeah, that w- that leads on nicely to my next question, is how did you find your time in Huddersfield and what, what did you learn? Because that, I guess, brings you to football league sort of standard football at that stage because Huddersfield weren't weren't Premier League at just that stage, but they had a good setup, didn't they? Yeah, it was very good. They'd um, just been promoted out of League One that season that I signed, so the first year in the Championship. Um Obviously, I was with the youth team. I just signed a one-year contract, but I was playing with the youth team every week. And to be honest, that year I done really well. Um, I learned a lot. Frankie Bunn was obviously a forward for Oldham back in the day, and he really helped me in like getting hold of the ball aspect and stuff. Because at the pool, you didn't really have to do that. It was more pass to your feet, and other people would create your chances. So I'd never really learned that. Um, but then obviously my second year was brilliant. I was like a reserve team, but you were training with the first team every day, um, which was great. I learned a lot. And unfortunately, to be fair, I um, done my ankle and torn two of the ligaments at the start of the season that year in end of August. So until the end of November, I didn't really kick a ball because I was injured. So I come back to fitness and I was training. And then by the end of January, the manager told me that I weren't going to stay the next year so there was another setback but at the time I wasn't too worried it was more getting fit and stuff so I got fit and then towards after I got fit and everything, everything started to improve football wise and coming into the last week of the season the manager called me into his office and on the way in a few of the first team lads like oh like, they're going to give you a new contract and that so I was like, yeah, whatever type of thing, but half thinking they should do because I'd earned it in the last like couple of months. But he's already told me I hadn't got one. And uh, when I went in, he was like, look, like if things are different, like there could be one here, but there still isn't one. Like, but thanks very much. You've, you've been brilliant since the thingy. But anyway, I can help you. That was my problems at the time. Anyway, I can help you. Like, I will do. Thanks and that. So I walked back out and all that. Like, yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> so then that was me. Um, that that summer, but yeah, Huddersfield was brilliant. I uh, enjoyed every minute of it there. How how did you find that loan spell with Vauxhall Motors? Because that's a pretty that 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 standard is a bit of an eye opener for for footballers who go down there, and it's make or break for a lot of them. A lot of the guys say at Swindon who go down to the the southern equivalent of that level, a lot of them don't come back. How did how did you find that? I mean, it was only a very short spell, but did it did it motivate you to want to remain in the pro game? Um, yeah, when I went, it's hard to remember now really because it was only for four games. Um, but when I went there, it was a bit different. Um, obviously, people are playing there out of choice, obviously, but there's money involved for them. It's it's a money thing. Whereas for me, it was a development thing. It, it wasn't about money at all, but. You do realise that the game's serious then, like it's it's not a laugh and a joke anymore, like it's serious stuff. But that taught me a lot for when I did get finally back into football and playing properly with Morecambe. Um, but I, I enjoyed it, it was tough, but I would recommend it to anyone just get as many games as you can and go and play because sure. that helped me become what I did in the end. Yeah, so you're 19 when you joined Morecambe, and that's the last time in your career to date that you've had to join that sort of free-for-all where you're all trying to get contracts during the summer. How did you find that? Did, did you have any other clubs that you went to before before Morecambe? No, nothing, to be honest. I, um, after that Huddersfield, I had my brother's wedding, my older brother's wedding. Um, I went on holiday thinking that everything was going to be fine. I was going to sign a contract somewhere. It'd be great, but little did I know how football works and that it is literally a scrappy and you see who gets contracts and who doesn't. It is a um, very tough world at that time, but I didn't know that at the time. I was a kid, no one had told me, and I was just thinking it was going to come. I come back a holiday, and it was the end of July, was it? Middle of July it was. I um, got a phone call off my agent. He was like, look, um, I know the lads down at Morecambe's manager, they've said, would you go in on trial and see how it goes or whatever? 
they've got four forwards, it's not likely, but at least it'll keep you fit type of thing and they can have a look at you because you're on a young, it could be like a development thing for them. So it's like, oh, yeah, like perfect. So I went in and just <laughs> as history, it was one of them things, uh, pre-season games, I couldn't miss the goal. Every time the ball comes to me, I was scoring. I think I ended up scoring five and three games or something like that. And they offered me a deal, um, which at first was for six months on £200 a week. And that was me. Obviously, I had to drive there every day. and But that was brilliant for me at the time. Because it was just, right, I've got a, got a professional club again. I'll get myself back in the game. And then a couple of weeks later, I started the game away at Cambridge, which was my first ever football league start. And I scored two and we won 2-1. And getting off the coach that night, the um, assistant manager asked me, like, with an extender type of thing. <laughs> and I, I said, yeah. And then that was me for the next two years. But it was literally two months. I'd gone from nothing at all being lucky to even get, get the chance to go and train. Um, obviously, they already had four forwards, so it was basically coming, we'll have a look, he's a young lad, and we can see what we can do. So then starting a um, league game a couple of, well, a month later, and doing well, scoring two, and then signing a three-year contract. It was quite a three-month for me, to be honest. Yeah, you really do hit the ground running, and even before that Cambridge game where where you get the points, you're in the team that beats Oxford, well done. But you also have that dream league debut as well, where if I if I set the scene, you're at home against Newport County, Morecambe are 2-0 down and you get brought on at half-time. What happens next? Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? The, uh, to be honest, 2-0 down at half-time. Um, a lot of managers don't usually make substitutes at half-time, but to be fair to Jim Bentley that day, he did. He made some bold changes and obviously me being a young lad, he, he put me in there. And I think I can say I repaid him that day. We were 2-0 down and ended up bringing it back to 3-2 with me scoring no winner. So it was a um, fantastic time. But I owe a lot to Jim and Kenny, to be fair, at Morecambe for giving me that chance in the first place to go in, go in and train with them. And obviously, I took my chance in the end, but I owe it to them, really, that I'm a footballer now. Yeah, the opinion of many football fans outside of Morecambe believe that, you know, Jim Bentley and staff perform near miracles to keep Morecambe in the football league as long as they have. Is that a fair assessment or is that not giving Morecambe enough credit? No, definitely a fair assessment. The um, pair of them are magnificent, uh, Jim and Kenny and all the staff, to be fair. And, it's obviously well documented. They have a shoestring budget every year, the lowest in the league. And I think for any any manager to keep a team in the league with the lowest budget, no matter what league they're in, they always say, ah, oh, it's a fantastic job. But for some reason, they don't seem to get that recognition from some people. Obviously, from a lot they do, but they were fantastic managers. And a lot of the players that they had there, if they kept a team together, if they did have more budget every season, then the, the players they had there, if they could have kept them, they'd, they'd have probably got a promotion out of it um, at Morecambe. But obviously they couldn't keep them there with people having families and stuff. It just doesn't work out that way. But the pair, uh, Jim and Kenny were magnificent. And I think, to be honest, they were unlucky not to get a bigger job than they have a filed at the minute. But I'm pretty sure we'll see them in the uh, league again at some point. Mm. Well, you played over 130 times for Morecambe, and they, other than your first season where they're comfortably mid-table, the other seasons of what we know Morecambe for it's just about staying up. You know, points. There's always a gap because you always get those teams that suddenly have the worst season ever. But Morecambe always the bookies' favourites, the perennial strugglers. As a player in that team, especially for playing for for them as long as you did. Is that frustrating? How how do you approach them when when you pretty much know that you're going up against Coventry, you're going up against teams that you're probably not going to win? Is it, is it something that's on your mind or do you go into every game no different if you were a Premier League or League Two, you go in to win? Yeah, every game's the same. You know, you basically, you say you're playing the big teams, but like, let's say Portsmouth, they're not Portsmouth who are in the Premier League anymore. The Portsmouth are in the same league as you. Like, there's no difference. The players are the players who you want to replace. You want to go and play for that team instead of them. Um, I didn't see anyone as any different to us. Um, I didn't ever care that people would say, "Oh, they've got the lowest budget. They get relegated." Like, so what? It doesn't matter. It's about the players. <laughs> it's not about how much they get paid. It's irrelevant. Um, 
But we yeah, we had a very good team the first year. We finished four points outside the playoffs, I think. Um, and then obviously the other two years were lower down the table. But even the last season I was there, we obviously didn't get paid for a couple of months when an ownership issue come up. Come up. Um, and we went on a, I think it was an eight-game unbeaten run, which we started thinking, hang on, like, we can get the playoffs here. And then it sort of come to an end, but we were always comfortable in that we'd stay up. Like, no one ever thought, oh, my God, damn, this year. Like, we always knew we had good players in the changing room. Every year I was there, they always have good players in the changing room. That's helped us get, us get us out of trouble, to be honest. You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Well, that brings us to Swindon. So how did your move to Swindon come about? <laughs> it's quite a mad one, to be fair. I'd, um, I'd said I might sign for... Oh, I thought I was going to sign for Tramia first that summer. Um, and then one thing led to another and uh, medical didn't come to it. Um, and in the meantime, Lincoln got in touch with me and they offered me a deal, um, which I'd said yes to at the time and I went on holiday. Um, while I was away, I got a phone call saying they don't think that that's going to come off. They, they just haven't heard from them. Make me agents, so they haven't heard from them. Um, they've agreed the contract, but they won't answer the phones and stuff like that. I think they might be trying to see if they could get somebody else before you. He said, but I've had Stephen and John on the phone. What do you think? So I spoke to their manager and he was very good, to be fair, Dan Sal. Um, I was quite interested in going there if um, Lincoln didn't work out. But then the next day he rang me and said, uh, Dave Flickcroft had been on to him. He'd just got the Swindon job. He thought I'd um, signed for Lincoln. He, he thought that himself. I don't know where he got it from, but obviously he was happy that I hadn't. And as soon as he said he uh, wanted me to sign, I got back a holiday on the Friday. Drove down to Cambridge to see my mates. They lived there, a couple of my mates. And then on the Saturday afternoon, I drove across to Swindon. Or Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon, sorry. Drove across to Swindon, stayed over the night, and then the next day aside. It was all uh, very quick, really. But it was a mad summer. But as soon as uh, Swindon wants to sign me, as you said before, about big clubs in the league, it was a no-brainer to get straight there. When I asked sold Swindon to you, was there anything else? Were were you given a role? Did were you did did David Flitcroft tell you what he wanted from you at that stage, which sold it? Was it just yeah, man? I'll, I'll well, to be fair, when I when I spoke to him, he was obviously telling me how big the club is and things like that. But then it was the way he was. It was like we're going for promotion. Like there's no no other way about it. We need to we need to get promoted this year. That's what it's about. So that's really what enticed me to the club. Is that. They were going to, the team we were going to be going for promotion and that was the only aim like there wasn't going to be any other like oh we want to do well this year but we see where it takes us it was literally we're going to get promoted and I'm the type of person who loves pressure and every time I've ever been under pressure in my life I like to think I've produced up to now for myself um, so that was a challenge I look forward to and that once he um, spoke to me and said look I want you to be part of my team I want you to be a leader for me and I want you to come down and play for me play for this club and get us promoted if you can or help us to do that that was me sold and couldn't get there quick enough <laughs> so town had just been relegated to league two what was the vibe around the county ground like when when you first rocked up um to be fair it was quite strange because obviously a new manager coming in um i listened to johnny goddard the other day on your podcast saying that obviously new manager comes in you know there's going to be new changes obviously i was one of the first players to sign um, the lads were great with me, but you can sort of sense that they know what's coming type of thing, because that's football, you know what I mean, it happens. Um, so it was quite difficult, but the lads were great. It wasn't like a downbeat place or anything like that. It was more of a mentality thing of, like, we're going to get promoted this year, not like, oh, we just want to play nice football and do well. It was like, we, we need, need to get promoted. And to be fair, the lads there were fantastic. I love me down there. They, um, they were great, and obviously... Donal the other day came on. They hadn't heard from him for a while, but he got back in touch with me. And all of the lads there, Luke Norris, a lot of them, and still keep in touch with Figaro. It was great. I enjoyed my time there, and the lads there were fantastic. I remember seeing your hat trick at Swindon Supermarine in a friendly. I think that was probably your first game, and thinking, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it just just arrived, hadn't I? Uh, half an hour, well, forty-five minutes, wasn't it? Second half was uh, quite a good thing, but I think I only played the front four times after that. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, quite quite mad, wasn't it? I started the season on fire. To be fair, I think the first four games I played up front and I'd scored four, um, and then this isn't no um, thing on Dave Flick. I liked him as a manager and things, but I moved to the left and right wing then for the rest of the season which was a bit at the time for me I, I couldn't get my head around it I look back now and think do you know what like I should have really I, I thought I'd done well in them positions like do you know what I mean I thought I'd perform well but I think I was playing thinking oh, if, if only I was up front like I could score more I could do this I could do that and I think that sort of played on my mind a bit more because when I moved to left and right wing sometimes I'd find myself out the team and it was like it was me who'd been sacrificed but like I, I I was up front at first, which is my position, doing really well. And I got moved out wide, which sort of found difficult to take. But obviously, I just wanted to win. And being sold the thing of, we're going to get promoted, we're going to try for promotion. I just wanted to play as many games as I can and take part in that, to be honest. So it was quite strange, but I just wish I could have played up front a little bit more. And hopefully we've got a few more goals to see us in the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. I mean, from, from the fan side of things... David Flickroft never really won the, the fan base over and it was probably more down to the style of of the way Swindon played during that time where, you know, you know what football fans are like in that respect. But f- as far as you were concerned, good manager to have around at the time, him and Futcher? Yeah, it was a good, um, good, good training sessions. I enjoyed training every day. I, I think I got out of bed and got there as quick as I could I loved going into training every day um, there's a few things that went on which hampered us that season which weren't their fault um, which obviously not up to me to speak about really wish I could um, but there was a few things that happened that wasn't their fault that they couldn't really control um, but I thought they were great and obviously the history they had in the league getting promoted obviously the fans wanted to see this lovely football but sometimes it isn't like that and at the time, it was who were we to question him when he's the one who's been promoted, playing away however he wants to play. So why would we question him this time? And to be honest, I think we were unlucky. I think if Flickroft would have stayed, I think it's safe to say we probably would have got the playoffs. Uh, I know it was win one or two and then lose one, but I think that would have seen us into the playoffs into the end, but it wasn't to be. And they left us to join Mansfield, but that's just football again, I suppose. Yeah, you, you've anticipated my my questions quite quite well for this conversation because my next question <laughs> my, my next question was we were quite frustrating that season. Two steps forward, two steps back. Why do you think that was from within? Um, I don't know. I think it was a quite it was a difficult season for us. Like I don't really know how to explain it. We were conceding goals that we shouldn't concede, and then. At the other end, we weren't scoring as many as we should um, as a team, but we sort of seemed like on this pitch, I don't know if the fans noticed this, well, I'm assuming they did, but there was sort of like a big spread from like where the defenders were at to where the forwards were at. When it left, because obviously the county ground's a big pitch, it left masses of spaces, so the games we played them were very end-to-end. And I think that sort of hampered us at times that we didn't control the game and control what happened in the game as much as we uh, should have done. But I think we would have definitely got the playoffs if um, Flickroft would have stayed with Futcher. But I think it was just one of them seasons that we had hard luck sometimes. I think back to the Lincoln away game, where we were, we were winning 2-1 on the 90th minute, and then the ball gets dropped in the goal. Like That's hard luck, do you know what I mean? It's unlucky. Like The amount of times that things like that happened in the season for us, it's just one little mistake, but it's unlucky mistake. It's not characteristic of the player. It was just happened. <laughs> I mean, they sort of had a lot of bad luck in them, especially the defensive pair at times. It weren't even like mistakes that people could really say, oh, like, should have done this and that. It was sort of like it'd be flecked off someone and then they'd go and score. And this is nothing you could do. You'd find yourself 1 0 down then. And obviously, at the county ground, teams would come and just sit in. And we found that difficult. And then once they got a goal, it was even harder. And it was a difficult season, but it was one I enjoyed, to be honest, and taught me a lot about football. Yeah, Luton away was good, wasn't it? That was one of the most enjoyable ones this season, I think. They were, obviously, they went up in the end, but they were one of the best, better teams in the league, wasn't they? And that's what I'm saying. That's why we were so frustrated, because we went there and dismantled them. 
they couldn't get near us. We were, we were brilliant. And then you look at the table six months later, and they would be on under points or something. And we're, we're looking, thinking, how's that happened? But I think that was just a picture of our season that season. Yeah, your Swindon season, you you start twenty and come on for twenty, playing forty games in total in the league. Um, in all competitions, you scored ten goals. But in reference to sort of during your whole career, you've you've acted as an impact sub or you've been in and out of the squad. Are you are you used to that now in a weird way, or are you just like what else have I got to do, or are you are you <laughs> is that just part of the part of the? I despise it to be honest. Um, it's one of the toughest things in football, obviously, when you're not playing. Um, I think in my time as a footballer, I've only ever not been in the squad three times at a team, which is probably the lowest points in your life when you think, I'm going on in the squad. But my thing, like obviously, uh, impact sub and stuff like that, I like to think when I play up front and I play a lot of games, I'll score goals, like the first four games of Swindon. Who's to, who's to say it wouldn't continue the way it was? But obviously, I move positions and stuff. But I think my goals per minute ratio in football is about 220, which probably isn't bad. The goal every two, two and a bit games or whatever, two and a half games, like that's that's quite good for the level. But obviously, it's some of them as a sub, some of them are starting, but I don't control that. It is a um, frustrating thing in football, not playing and not playing as much as you want. And I think that's just part and parcel of it but I don't get used to it now I hate it and sometimes it plays on my head more than it should do um, but I take it home with me sometimes and that's what I've been trying to get better at is not taking it home with me and leaving it at the club and just giving everything I've got when I'm in there because that's all I am as a footballer work as hard as I can and sometimes to my own detriment that I end up moving out to the, a different position and then find myself out the team as I just said but I think sometimes I could be a bit more selfish but that ain't me and I just got to I just got to work as hard as I can, and that's the way I've always been in life, and I always will be. Yeah, fair enough. And when David Flickroft left, it seemed pretty swift and sudden from the fan side of things. Was that the case for you guys as well? Yeah, to be honest, we were um, training at oh, Chichester, is it? Siren, Siren, We trained on their four um, G pitch because of the snow at the time. You remember? I think it was the end of March, was it? It was snowing bad. So we trained on their pitch and Futcher took training. Flickroft was inside and thinking, a bit weird, that never happens. Like he, He's always out with us. bit strange. Um, speaking to them after training, he saw England were playing in the night. We're going the England game. Oh, no, it wasn't England, sorry. Rochdale were playing Tottenham at Wembley. And their, man, their, their mate, Keith Hill, who's mates with uh, Flickroft, obviously Flickroft's his assistant now, was the manager. So he said, we're going to that game. He's like, all right, Sam. And then, in the night, I looked on Twitter and it was BBC um, in the group chat with the lads, basically, that he's joined Mansfield. But obviously, that's none of our business. I think it was more a personal decision for them with family being close to home and things like that. But it was strange. It was something I'd, I'd never experienced in football as a manager being sacked while I was in the changing room. So it was um, quite an experience for me, but one that obviously helps you learn as well. Yeah, and in came Phil Brown, a, a massive name from when you would have been growing up. So what was your experiences of him? I thought he was going to come in and get us promoted, to be honest. thought he'd have knowledge to obviously help us out and keep more clean sheets because that was what we needed at the time. Uh, it's well known. But yeah, it was strange. The first three, four games or whatever he come in, I was playing playing out wide but we had Mark Richards at the time scoring scored quite a few coming in January um, Luke Norris as well was doing well at the time that season but I was playing so I was quite happy playing out wide and then it was quite strange really um, I don't know how to put it it was one day he was asking me about like some of the lads and things like that obviously trying to get to know the lads but that's not me I don't like speaking about people so I literally just told him look I, I don't like speaking about other people and here for me and the team I'm not going to tell you about other people and what they're like or whatever. As long as I, I'm playing, like I, I'm happy. I just want to play. I don't I don't want to get involved in things like that. I think looking back now, he was probably just looking for a bit of guidance, probably just trying to keep me on side, trying to, I don't know, um, what's, what's the word type of thing? Just, just basically try and keep me, like feel like a big part of the squad for him or a big player for him or something. But 
that's not me. I don't like speaking about people. Um, and then a week later, I found myself out the team again, which was quite weird because I'd done well in that time. Um, but yeah, his sessions were good. He tried to pick the lads up because obviously the lads were down when Flickcroft left and the defensive situation at the time, a few of the lads were down, but he did try and help and try and pick the moods up around the place and get us back together as a squad. Um, which, to be fair, we got closer as a squad when he came in, but obviously performances didn't really change that much. Um, they weren't good. And come the end of the season, to be fair, I was quite glad to come to an end in the end because once we couldn't get the playoffs, it was sort of a dead season. Um, but at the end of the season, we had meetings when he found out he'd been given the job. Um, called us in and just said, look, I see you playing like a 4-3-3 next year. I see you playing up front in a 3-4 me, either left, right or centre. Um, I said, look, I said, I don't think I can be here next year. He was like, what do you mean? I said, well, like, told him what had happened when he didn't play him and stuff. I said, like some of your methods I don't don't think are right for me. I said, like, I'm not saying you're a bad manager, you've managed in the Premier League. Like, you probably know more about managing than I do, than I ever will do. I said, you've managed in the Premier League, but, like, sometimes, like, things aren't meant to be. I don't think it's right for me. And to be fair, I'm only saying that because when I did leave, he said in interviews and in notes that, he told me he didn't want me and stuff, and I'd be the first, like I said, at Liverpool, at Huddersfield. He don't want it, it's football, it happens. Mm-hmm. But that went how it went, so it was quite um, surprising to see that. But to be fair, when I left, I didn't get a phone call from him or nothing. Um, so uh, no love lost, but I wouldn't say he was a bad manager. I think it was just a bad time for him to come in. Um, but obviously, he's a very good manager. He's managed in the Premier League and he's done more than I have probably will as a manager, so... Yeah, I mean, that was really interesting. And you you signed off against Accrington, scoring the final goal of the season for Swindon. And it was that nice sort of acute angle finish that that just beat the goalkeeper at the near post. And again, when you powered past the defender, I thought, here we go. This this guy is uh, ready for next season. He's angry. He wants wants to, uh, wants to kick on, but it just wasn't with us. No, to be fair, I wanted to stay at Swindon. I loved my time there. The fans were fantastic with me. They loved me the whole time I was there. And even when I left, I still get messages now. I still get letters. Um, so I got a letter sent to me not so long ago. It was a ticket for Carlisle, my first game for Swindon, from Swindon fan. That's 18 months since I've left, you know what I mean? Um, asking me to sign in and return it to them. And I loved my time there and I loved every minute of it. It was just at the time, it was just quite strange. Um I didn't say I'm definitely going to leave. I said, like, I don't think, I don't agree with some of the things that have happened and stuff. And it's not for me. I'm going to see what the summer brings. And obviously, it was up to Swindon to accept the bid for me. So mm. when they did, that was sort of telling me, like, yeah. you, you can go. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I didn't want to leave. Like, I loved it there. I loved playing there, a massive club. But obviously, Tramia put a bid in. It got accepted in the end after whatever they do. It was back home. Um, literally 20 minutes from my house so it was sort of a no-brainer in the end thinking well I wasn't fully pleased with the manager but that happens in football sometimes but they've accepted the bid for me so clearly that's enough to say right you can move on so then I jumped at it um, come back home and obviously 20 minutes from my house it couldn't have been more perfect <laughs> yeah I mean from a, from a fan side of things as it always is from my side because I have no insider knowledge it was really quickly done. It was pretty much, we found out when it was confirmed, wasn't it? Was, was it as quick at your side as well? Um, not really. The um, When Tranmere got promoted um, of the National League, I was on holiday and I texted the fellow at Tranmere who sourced the contracts, who had spoke to the year before and stuff. But I just texted him and said, like, congratulations, and that I made up for you to achieve what you set out to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, congrats, that was it. Just left it at that. So just basically just saying congratulations. Didn't think anything of it. And then the next day or whatever, while I was on holiday, I checked my phone. He texted me saying, like, would, would you like to sign for us? So I texted back and said, like, I don't know my situation at Swindon, but it depends. if they say yeah, then I'd love to, yeah, why not? Um and that was probably the day they got promoted, so I can't really remember when that was. It was mid-May, maybe. And then it just took time, I think, for them to sort things out with Swindon or whatever. And then, obviously, I was going on holiday again in June, mid-June. 
for my girlfriend's 21st. And um, as I was getting on the plane, they rang me and said it's all agreed and stuff. So I said, I'll buy Sam then. Well, when I get back, I'll, um, I'll get it done. And that was like, obviously, it took four weeks in the end to get it all done. But you can't really say anything beforehand. But I love my time at Swindon. And to be honest, sometimes I do look back and think I wish I could be still be there. But that's life. <laughs> Yeah, but the Tramia move, you know, has had plenty of eventful moments. So straight in and a promotion season to boot, which is kind of happens quite a lot with the um, the National League sides going up straight away after getting promotion. Again, you utilised in a similar role. Well, you're in and out of the squad again. Is it for the same reasons? Um, it did really work out like that, yeah. But obviously we had... Nors, not James Norwood. He he was on fire. He scored thirty one, was it thirty two in the season overall at the end, um, which was obviously a bit of bad luck on my part. But to be fair, that pre season I didn't um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Um, but when I did finally start getting a few games, and I started doing well up front, we we started winning a few games. But basically, what happened is we didn't win. We started scoring. Me and Nors scored a couple in each game or whatever, and we got beat. And then I think it was more so just change the team just to try and get a win type of thing. So in the September, I found myself playing uh, right wing, which I enjoyed, to be fair. I'd done it before at Swindon and we won a couple of games and that. And then I ended up coming out the team again. It was more just in and out, basically. Nors was scoring that many that we couldn't replace him. In the end, it was we played one up front with uh, Connor Jennings in like a hole type situation where I don't usually play. Um so Nors are scoring that many that we couldn't really change it. And to be fair, we went on a ten game unbeaten run, I think it was, after January. So I didn't really play after that then. Obviously Nors had scored unbelievable amounts of goals. He'd been doing fantastic. The team was doing great. There was no reason to change anything. So it was quite unlucky really. But I think I ended up playing maybe what to make thirty appearances, something like that. Um but it was a good season, enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a successful season, to be fair, for myself in the end. Mm. I think I started 11 league games, scored seven, um, something like that. But yeah, it was a good season, I enjoyed it. It was just, obviously, on a personal level, it was difficult that Nors scored so many goals, but it was great for us as a team. It was fantastic just to know every week that he was going to go on the pitch yeah. and score. It didn't help Swindon's situation that, that we didn't get Sid Nelson for the second half because he was at Swindon during the first half of that season. Yeah, obviously, um, come in the second half of the season and he played for us, didn't he? Um, and we done really well, to be fair. He ended up playing in the playoff final, I think, at Wembley. So, But at Swindon, I think he'd done brilliant, hadn't he? I think Swindon had uh, wanted to sign him. But I don't know what happened with that. But he ended up for us, and to be fair, it was brilliant for us because we went and got a promotion that he helped us towards. So it was a uh, good stuff. Now, when things sort of not go sour, because you say you you love your time at Swindon, but when you know you leave because you don't enjoy the style of play or anything like that, and then you join the team and then you get promoted, is there a little is there a little bit of you that likes to sort of? Proverbially flip the V and go ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I did, I did love Swindon, um, and I'll always be grateful for the fans. I have to say, they still message me, type, type to me now, send me letters and stuff like that, which is quite refreshing. Really, I don't often see that. Um, which, to be fair, there's one person that more for me always sends me letters, but there's a, quite a few at Swindon, um, which players don't usually get. So I'm proper grateful for that, and I do love that, but. When I got promoted, it was more of um, personal achievements as well as the team. But I don't see anyone as like, <laughs> screw you or anything like that. It was just one of them things in football that happens. And you do move on sometimes when you don't want to and sometimes when it's on your terms or their terms or whatever. But I think in the end, it ended up mutual when I left Swindon just because the way things worked out. It helped Phil Brown go and get players that he wanted in because I had another two years left there, basically. Because yeah, I... Lift the clause and we contact get the extra year, so in the end it worked out quite well. Yeah, it was just me then. Okay, so second season <laughs> where we are now. <laughs> yeah, I um, suppose you would say that to the cap in. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, this season's been a funny one for you because nationally you've got quite a bit of coverage because of the cup run 
the Watford games where you score in both and one of them hello yes please and and then you you went on loan to Cambridge shortly afterwards which you know was surprising was it surprising to you um no not really i think to start the season come um I went playing and then I got myself in the team for basically the whole of September. I think I started like eight or ten games in a row. We done quite well as a team. I think when I left, I think we had twenty three points maybe. I think I was in the team for sixteen of them. Um, so I'd done really well. I thought could have done a lot better. Don't get me wrong, but for the way we were playing as a team, we were struggling. We didn't really create many chances. I thought I'd done quite well. Could have done better, but one of them things. And then. After September, I found myself out of the team again. Um, it was one of the things. And then coming up towards January, I wanted to go and play football. Like I obviously hadn't become a regular starter there in 18 months and not through lack of trying. I think I tried as hard as I could. And I do, like all the fans there are great with me. They same as Swindon. They love me and stuff and I couldn't be any more grateful. But I think I just wanted to go and play football, to be honest. I, wasn't so much of a surprise. It was probably a surprise where they ended up in the end because um, it come down to the last day. Um, but going into the last week of the window, they hadn't told me I could go. They hadn't said anything. It was basically just nothing. So I went in with two days left and just asked, like, could I go and play football if I can get something or whatever? And they said, yeah, like, do it. So I said, oh, great. Like, thanks very much. Not on against them. We've been successful there and Mickey's been a successful manager there and I just wanted to go and play football whether that gets me a contract with me next year or it doesn't. Like, I wanted to do it for myself and enjoy playing football again because I'd sort of lost the enjoyment feeling from it when I wasn't playing the games. It didn't feel the same and it sort of felt at times that no matter what I do here, I'm not going to play every week. I'm not going to be a regular starter and Sometimes that's just how it works in football, but I'm still at Tranmere. I still obviously hope to be there next season if I do well or whatever. Um, but that's football, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But I'd like to think I've done quite well for the club and the fans have been brilliant with me and I've loved my time there as well. Yeah, and you've, and you've done all right at Cambridge up to this point. You've got a couple of goals in a handful of games. But are you contracted with Tramia until until the end of the, well, until the end of this season or, <laughs> or or is it have you still got time left there? Yeah, it's up this summer. And that was another sort of reason why I wanted to go and play games and just get myself out there again and let people remember me for me, rather than for these coming on against Watford and scoring twice. Like I wanted people to know me for being me again, like you did at Swindon and beforehand and stuff and to be fair, at Cambridge, I was enjoying it very much when I went there. Um, it was quite uncertain. They had no manager. Um, but the caretaker manager ended up getting a job in the end. Mark Bonner, he was fantastic with me. Um, loved my time there. Obviously scored a couple of goals, got a couple of assists in the five games I was there. And sadly, the season was halted by this uh, pandemic we're under. But yeah, my contract's up at Tremier in the summer and I don't know what's going to happen with that. Obviously, no one knows what's going to happen at the minute with loans and stuff like that. So it's quite an uncertain time. But I think it was quite a good thing that I got myself out on loan and got myself back playing football again just before this all comes around. What you're experiencing at the moment as a professional footballer has never been experienced in, in the exact situation that we're in. And, you know, seasons ending short of their completion hasn't happened since, you know, war was declared. What is it What is it like for you guys at the moment? Because you have the uncertainty of being un- out of contract. You have the uncertainty of whether the season's going to play out, which it doesn't look like it will. Um, that's just an opinion at the moment. On the day of recording this, the National League has, has said they're not going to continue. And that takes us to yeah, League Two. That. So, I mean, what is, what is this sort of, What's not the opinion because I appreciate you can only say so much and the fact is we don't know what's happening but what is it like at the moment for you guys? It's tough you know it's very uncertain isn't it especially when you've got a family and you don't know what's going to happen with the contracts and stuff but I'm probably a strong minded person I'd like to say and I think I've sort of got the thing of whatever it'll be it'll be like I can only work as hard as I can in life and if it's not to be it's not to be but I think it is very tough at the minute, especially being out of contract and things like that. But we're no different to the average Joe goes to work. Like they're they're unsure what's going to happen with their jobs. Like we're no different to anyone else. I know it's a lot more publicised, but everyone's in the same boat at the minute. I think everyone's just got to stick together and stay mentally strong and positive. And I 
the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about this situation or a contract or anything else. So you've just got to um, get on with it as best you can. And I used the time first couple of weeks. I was quite made up to be back with my little boy and be able to spend some time with him again. Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, <laughs> it's getting tougher by the days go on when you can't go out the house with them. But it's um, one of those things. Just got to stay strong and get on with it and enjoy having them because at some point he'll be telling me to get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's begin to wrap this up now. I've really enjoyed what we've discussed so far. So, I mean, you're only 25, yet you've you've got well over 200 Football League appearances already to your name. Given the setbacks that you've had early in your career, you must be tremendously happy with that. Oh, definitely. You know, I think sometimes I do take it for granted, but I always bring myself back to the moment of obviously when I wasn't at Liverpool, I didn't have a club. And my mum always told me, like, you've achieved your dream. Like, you, you've you done what you set out to do as a kid. But as a person and as the way I am, that's never enough for me. I always want to play as high as I can and go again and again. And I want to do as well as I can in life. And I'll never stop and settle and say, right, that's I've done enough. Like, no, I haven't. But as you say, like I'm tremendously proud to say like that I've basically come from being out of the game and in the wilderness to being able to play football for a living up to date and obviously get a promotion that not many people get, get to do in their career and score against Premier League teams. Like When you think of it like that, it does make me smile because I don't often sit and reflect on myself because I sometimes don't really see the benefit of that. But it is one of them feelings. It is immensely proud like to say like, I've done them things, but... I can stop and do that when I finish. I want to try and work as hard as I can and try and keep doing as well as I can in football. And as long as it continues, then I'll keep thinking like that. But then when it does come to an end, whenever that may be, hopefully no time soon, but you never know. Mm. Um, Hopefully then I can look back and think, wow, like I really did do well. But until then, I'll only see it as success, but want to be more successful. Mm. To finish on a Swindon Town leaning... What were your fondest memories of playing for Swindon? I think it was obviously the home games were great. They have a great crowd. There's a lot of lot of people from the city go towards the games. You you realise when you go out into the city centre or you go for some lunch or a meal with your missus or whatever, the fans are everywhere. It's quite, it's quite strange, really, when you come from a big city like Liverpool and you play for Tranmere. If you go out in Liverpool, which obviously isn't Birkenhead, then you don't really see people who might know you but there it was quite strange because everybody doesn't recognise it which was a bit different but that, that was, wasn't for me like I don't like being known by people for stuff like that I'm quite an introvert I'm quite like keeping myself to myself but my best time at Swindon's probably the Luton away game as you said before that was a brilliant day Carlisle as well because all my family come to watch but then there was a game a poor fail at home my um, one of my close mates who used to play for Morecambe would have been diagnosed with cancer a couple of weeks earlier and I managed to score the winner that day and I had the top underneath wrote out for him and obviously I was able to show that to the camera for him so that, that was probably another big moment for me there I really enjoyed it Lovely stuff Paul Mullin thank you very much Cheers very much mate thank you The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to see. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.